Today we're in the second part of our message series that I've called The Government with No End. Uh, According to the Bible, Jesus is enthroned as the king of a government that has no end. He rules a spiritual kingdom. The kingdom of God is a spiritual kingdom. It's the rule of God in the hearts of men and women. And, And Jesus is in charge of this. This spiritual kingdom, right now you can't see it. Later on, God's going to bring it into reality where we'll see it fully. But right now, we don't see it, but we experience the benefits. We Just like the wind, you don't see the wind, but you see its effects. Same thing in the kingdom of God. You, you see the effects. You see the benefits. There's a lot of help and a lot of growth inside this kingdom. A person steps into the kingdom when... He makes Jesus their Lord. When he decides that they're going to be his king uh, personally, that's how you get into it. If if you're not yet following Christ, the path is acknowledge him as creator, accept him as savior. When, When you acknowledge him as creator, then you realize he's the one that made you and when you live life your own way, not the way that he wants you to, when you go your own way and rebel against him, that's an offense to the creator. And every one of us have done that. We've gone our own way, deciding to take life into our own hands, doing it the way we want to. And <clears throat> so when you do that, you offend him, and you, you realize when you accept him as creator, you realize that he, you need a savior. You need someone to pay the penalty for your sin, and Jesus Christ has done that. He's Savior, and then he becomes ruler or Lord. So that's the flow, creator, Savior, ruler. And you give your life to following him as Lord. And that is uh, the flow. If you have any questions about what it means to follow Christ, if you have questions about him as creator or Savior or any of those things, let let us know on that connection card. We, We would love to help you figure out what all that means and help you get some things that you could read that would help you begin to make progress in deciding for yourself whether or not he is who he said he is. In this message, I'm describing, and in this series, I'm describing the throne names of the king. In, in ancient times, they had the king would have a throne, and then on the throne or above the throne, there would be throne names or titles that describe the character of the king. So we're looking at some throne names that a prophet Isaiah wrote 700 years before the birth of Christ. We're looking at those, and then we're digging into the New Testament was written after the birth of Christ, and we're sort of comparing the two. We're we're looking at the promise in the names and then the fulfillment in Jesus' life and in um, the... the, um, connection that the New Testament makes on that, because the character of the king determines the quality of life in the kingdom. That's, that's why they have those three throne names. They, they're stating, this is who I am, this is who I want to be, and this is going to direct the course of my decisions and the way that I relate to the people under me. So we're tracking how these throne names have been realized in the life of Christ and what that means for us. We're uncovering the kingdom benefits that we, we see in these names and in uh, the kingdom. As you step into the kingdom, what are you going to experience? 
Isaiah 9, 6 and 7 says, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. And we, we looked last week at how in his kindness, God the Father sent his son into the world for our benefit. That's the, the sense of this statement. He's been given for our benefit. Like I mentioned, God's character determines what it's like in his kingdom. If, if he were not kind, then he would just leave us on our own to self-destruct. But what he did in Jesus Christ, he stepped into the world to to try to connect with the people he made, to bring us back. We actually just sang about it, the king who came to bring us back to himself. That, that's, what, that's what he did. That's the kindness of God, that he, he wants to, to help us connect with him even when we rebelled against the creator. And the government will be upon his shoulder, it goes on, and his name will be called Wonderful. Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. Upon the throne of David and over his kingdom, to order it and establish it with judgment and justice from that time forward, even forever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. In other words, God's going to do this. And God, the one who made the universe and reigns over it, what he wants happens. He makes it happen. He brings it about. It's the zeal of God to do this. One of his throne names that we read here is counselor or advisor. It means to deliberate, to sort things out, to, to advise and to help you right where you're at. Jesus was born because God wanted to meet us where we are. He stepped in. Isaiah 7:14 says his name is one of his names is Emmanuel, God with us. He stepped into the world to meet us right where we are. That is wonderful. We talked about that last week. Wonderful. It, it, it causes you to wonder how does that happen? How does God, the living God, how does He become a human being? It's it's difficult to understand. But we can understand enough of it to trust him. That's how God is. You can't understand or comprehend everything about him, but you can, you can know enough to trust him with your life. And that's, that's the idea of wonderful. It's, it's wonderful what he's done. And since he stepped into our world, God himself and the person of Jesus Christ, he has an absolutely unique vantage point by which he can help us work through our difficulties and challenges. That's all packed in this word counselor. He has a unique vantage point because here he is. He's the one who made us. He's the one who designed us. And since he did, it's foolish not to seek his counsel. He knows the counsel and ways of God from eternity. And he makes himself available to us to, to gain insight. He's the one that came up with the blueprint for the universe. He, he designed the whole thing and everything in it, this world, all the people, he put us together. He knows how it works spiritually, emotionally, mentally. He, he understands all of the workings. And one of his throne names is Counselor. 
And we're going to find out in a little bit how he's available to us. But if you've decided to follow Christ, it's silly not to seek him as you make choices, as you make decisions every day. It's just, it's just silly not to get his help as you go through everyday life, as you, as you work, because he's, he's made himself available. We're going to see that. The king is our most important advisor. Psalm 33, 8 through 11 says, Let all the earth fear the Lord. Revere him. Let all the people of the world revere him. For he spoke and it came to be. He's the one who made us. He's creator. He commanded and it stood firm. The Lord foils the plans of the nations. He thwarts or frustrates the purposes of the people. But the plans of the Lord stand firm forever. The purposes of his heart through all generations. Since that is true. That's, that's what you find in Scripture. God, God frustrates the purposes of the people, but the plans of the Lord stand firm forever. His purposes through all generations. Since that's true, a wise person is willing to trade their plans and purposes in when they don't line up with God's. When, when you come to a point in your life when you, you, you realize, well, this is my plan. It may not be on God's heart. This is what I purpose, this is my intent, but that might not be God's intent. If you don't trade in yours, your plans and purposes for his, you end up frustrated. You, you're, you, you, you experience the frustration of God not stamping approval on your plan. And what this passage says is he's not going to do that. There's a couple of approaches. Um, there, there are two approaches to our life plan. We, we can work out the blueprint ourselves. We can, see, we can picture what we want to, to occur, and we can lay it all out. And, and it's, it's wise to plan, but Scripture says the Lord directs our, our steps. But what we can do is we can take our plan to God for approval, or we can check with God to get his plan that's already approved. And what it means to follow Christ is you're willing to lay aside your own plan to follow his. You're, you're willing to set it aside. You receive the approved plan from the purpose uh, and the, the, the hand of God. The good life is found in discovering his plan and purpose for life and adapting to it. The purposes of his heart play themselves out through all generations. Nobody gets skipped. No generation gets skipped. He, he's working out his purpose in history as he goes along. And the blessing comes in figuring out what he wants and adapting to it. God's blessing doesn't come as he rubber stamps my plans. But his blessing comes as I learn to line my plans up with his. And as I set my heart for, on his purposes, he brings those to fruition. So we pray. We, we get into scripture, which is... At one point, Paul calls it the whole counsel of God. We, we, we understand the whole counsel. We're talking about the counselor. The scripture is the whole counsel of God. We, we get into it to understand how God thinks about things, his perspective, his purpose, and how he's put things together. So we dig in to learn his counsel. So we pray, we get into scripture, 
And we do what we understand God wants. And then we follow the, te- the path that he takes us on as he says yes, no, wait, maybe. As he responds, then we adapt. But we pray at the beginning, asking for God's wisdom and direction, and we, we take steps. It's not like we just, okay, I'm not going to do another thing until God lays out the plan. I want to see the whole blueprint. I want to see where I'm going. Because God leads one step at a time. So we, we have the plans and purposes on our heart, and we take a step, and then we find out how, how God leads as he responds through the circumstances of our life, through the things that come about. Frustration comes when God keeps refusing to rubber stamp my plans, and I demand that they come about. That's, that's where frustration comes. God, what's going on? You're not giving me what I want. That's not what he's going to do. That's not his plan and purpose. He has his own plan and purpose. This is why we need his counsel. Because he's not going to rubber stamp our plans if they don't fit into his greater plan and purpose. He, he is working this out in our personal history and in the history of the world. We need his counsel and out of kindness, he provides it. There is purpose and joy in doing what he wants, only frustration, if we avoid it. I'd like to show you a clip from Big Daddy. I certainly don't recommend this movie or endorse it. But I saw this clip, and, and it helped me as, as, we, as we talk about this counselor thing. All of us make choices every day based on some kind of input. And this is a comical way of, of looking at this. Let's, let's check it out. Look at how this guy t- makes choices. Come on, we're almost there. We're almost there. Hey, mister. Why are you sitting on the ground? This is where I live, little man. Hey, we got to get going, pal. Why? Well, in retrospect, I made some really bad choices after high school. Yeah, we, we got to get going, buddy. Why? Well, this was during the so-called disco era. But for me, it was more the uh, doing mushrooms era. Oh, okay, we're going to miss breakfast. Why? never really thought about that, kid. I mean, I was never Mr. Popularity in high school, and uh, I watched Fantasia a lot, and one day it just clicked. Hey, Yappy, if you end the conversation, I'll get you an Egg McMuffin. How about a sausage McMuffin with hash browns? You got a deal. Hey, look, 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 he fell asleep, he fell asleep, let's go. All right, goofy, goofy scene from a movie. But it illustrates something that we need to understand, that we, we are making choices out of some perspective. He, he picked his perspective up along the way from the disco era and Fantasia and the mushrooms, and somehow it came together. But that, that's, that's popular culture. And we do this. We, we put together, we get pieces of ideas, little, little slices of ideas, and we, ad- we adapt them. We watch movies, watch TV, we hear what people are talking about around the water cooler at school, wherever it is. And we adapt or adopt these ideas, and we never try to connect them. But what's happening is we're making choices every day, and they're leading us to a destination. This was a picture of a guy who ended up as a homeless man. That was where he arrived based on the choices he made. They're taking us somewhere. And he... Andy Stanley calls that the principle of the path. We're, we're heading somewhere. Our choices are not disconnected, but they're, they're steps in a direction 
one or the other. And they're leading us to a destination. We need the counselor because he has the perspective to take us where we want to go. He has the perspective to respond in relationships that, that will help us arrive at a good relationship. Because the choices we make are, are helping relationships get good or bad. They're getting better or worse. Same with our finances. We make choices every day. And our financial situation is either getting brighter or it's getting dimmer. It's the same in our career. It's the same with our schoolwork. Whatever it is, we're, we're making choices and taking steps. We need the counselor. The idea is he, Jesus, wants to be the one who guides us. And he's made that possible. This is a kind of a drastic illustration in that clip, but the choices we make in relationships are leading us somewhere at work and ministry and our finances and uh, family life. They're having a major impact on the life that we experience. They're either taking us toward frustration if they don't line up with God and his ways or toward blessing if they do. And so we need his counselor. He's the most important advisor. And we have an open invitation to approach the king for help. This is an amazing thing. Hebrews 4, 14 through 16 says, Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has gone through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet was without sin. Let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in our time of need. Here's what the passage tells us about the counselor. Jesus has provided access to the throne. And like I said, we, we sang about this. In the Old Testament, there were three offices. We'll call them offices. There were prophets, priests, and kings. The prophets communicated God's word to the people. They, they spoke his word to the people. The, the priests represented the people to God, and they would, they would bring sacrifices to God in representing the people to gain forgiveness of sin. And then the king would rule over the people. That was the government. In the New Testament, you find out Jesus is all three in one. He is prophet and priest and king. This passage talks about Jesus being priest. And the picture here, it says he passed through the heavens and, and took his place there. Um, and here's, here's the word picture that, that you see there. When the temple existed, on the Day of Atonement, the priest, the, great, the high priest... And Jesus is the great high priest. He's superior to this high priest. Hebrews was written to show the superiority of, of Jesus over the old uh, law uh, and the way things were done and how he's the fulfillment of it. But anyway, uh, the, when the temple existed on the Day of Atonement, the priest would go through the temple. And here's how the temple was constructed. I wish I had a good picture I could show you. I don't. But I'm going to have to try to describe it to you. It was, it was a big compound, 
And there was a, a court called the Court of the Gentiles, the non-Jewish folks. That's on the outside. And then inside that, there was a woman's court. We won't get into discussing what that's all about. Then there was the men's court. And then there was the priest court. And then there was a, a huge structure out just the, the priest court surrounded it, was outside of it. There was a huge structure, and you walked through a portico or a porch on this structure, and then you went into the holy place, and then you went into the most holy place. The most holy place was where the Ark of the Covenant was, which represented the relationship of God with his people. And so that's where you found the, you, you entered into the presence of God in the most holy place. Separating the most holy place from the, the holy place was a curtain, a massive veil, 66 feet by 33 feet, four inches thick. That's, that's the curtain that separated the holy place from the most holy place. Once a year, the priest would walk through the courts, through the portico, through the holy place, and into the most holy place with the, the offering, with the sacrifice that represented all the people on the Day of Atonement to atone for their sins. When he entered the most holy place, they would tie a, a rope to his feet in case in, in meeting God and the purity of God, he was consumed and died. And they, they, that way they could drag him out without going in there. He was the only one allowed into the presence of God in that way. One man, the high priest, once a year, would go in. When Jesus died, that curtain, 66 by 33 feet, four inches thick, it was torn from top to bottom. That represents what Jesus did on the cross for us. The sacrifice for our sins once for all that gives us access to the presence of God, to the throne of God. Free access. That's what this passage is referring to when it talks about Jesus is our great high priest who passed through the heavens and now is at the right hand of God. That, that's, what, that's what it means. The Old Testament law, it turns out, was a tutor. God set it up to be our teacher so that we could learn who Jesus is. And who Jesus was. And the New Testament shows us how he's the fulfillment. Now we have direct access to God. The, the torn curtain, which is amazing. Think about that. Four inches thick. No man could do that. Just from top to bottom. God, God did that to prove to his people, the Jewish people, that Jesus is the one who opens access to God himself. Another important thing to know about our high priest, the great one, is that he understands how it feels to be tested. You find that in verse 15. Our, our high priest is not cold and unfeeling, but he's able to sympathize with our weaknesses. He feels them with us. If we were cold and unfeeling, we, we wouldn't want to approach him. We, we would be ner- Have you ever had a boss that, you know, just stern, cold, or a teacher? stern, cold, unfeeling. They don't show any emotion. They never smile, and you can't figure out how to please them. If that's the case, you you don't want to be in their presence. But this passage tells us 
We have a high priest who was tested in every way that we are, yet was without sin. So he understands. He, he was persecuted. He was misunderstood. He only intended good. But he was completely misunderstood. He was accused of wrong he didn't do. He was poor. He was overlooked, even despised, hated. And here's God himself. He, he only came to do good. He, he experienced grief. One of his close friends died. He experienced the grief that we all face. Human limitations. He, he experienced the, the you know, desire to do more, but can't, can't do it. He faced the temptation to go another route other than God's route. To, to you know, go my way instead of God's way. And yet... He did not cave in. He did not. Now, that is the kind of counselor we need. When we've blown it, we look for people who understand, and we sort of shun the people who, whom we don't feel like understand and have been through what we've gone through. But we need somebody who's been tested, and they understand the power that you need to overcome and not cave in. That's Jesus. That's why it says, yet he was without sin, because he himself experienced and knew experientially the power that was needed to overcome testing. And, and that's the kind of people we need to, to hang out with, people who will understand, yet they know the, the, what's needed to overcome what we're facing. That's the kind of high priest we have. Jesus can help, so we, we approach the throne of grace with confidence. That's what you found in uh, verse 16. Kindness does more than anything else to encourage people who are under trials or testing and temptations. I know when I experienced the grief with my parents, the kindness, Cindy and I had a miscarriage, the kindness of the people of us, around us really touched us. And it, it, it gave us help just to, to keep doing what we needed to do as people showed kindness to us in different ways. That is encouraging. And that's why we can approach the throne of grace with confidence God could have chosen to set up any kind of throne. He could have set up a throne of judgment, a throne of law, a throne of punishment. But in his kindness, he established a throne of grace, which is unmerited favor. Mercy doesn't give us what we deserve in the negative. Grace gives us what we haven't earned in the positive. So it's a throne of mercy and grace. It's a throne of grace that we have. Remember, the character of the king determines what it's like in the kingdom. A throne of grace is designed to represent a sovereign king who is seated on the throne to dispense mercy and pardon and grace. This is what we really need to help us. The word help in uh, verse 16 is a word uh, frap is another translation, a literal translation of that word. To frap something is, they used to frap boats in this day when they were uh, falling apart. And that means they would take a rope and they would wrap it around the entire boat to hold it together so it could fulfill its purpose. That's, that's what it means, that we come to the throne of grace and he gives us the help that we need to fulfill the purpose in a given situation. 
We can approach the throne with confidence, but we have to admit we need him. We have to admit our need for him. And when we turn to him and go to him, we find mercy for the the times that we've blown it. And we find grace to frap us, to hold us together to do what he wants to do. Because he's the high priest who knows what it's like to be in the situations we're in. And he pours out his grace. Grace has a strengthening power to it. It supports and helps us do right. And there's not a day goes by when you and I don't need mercy and grace to make it, to do what's right before God. And that's, that's the kind of high priest we have. We're going to be taking our offering in a few minutes. And I'd like to thank you for your, your generous tithes and offerings. That's how we do what we, we do. We have a generous group, and I'm grateful for you. Um, but we're going to be taking our offering in a, in a few minutes. And I'd like to lay out some next steps that you might want to take as a result of hearing. There may be others that uh, you want to do, but here are some suggestions. Memorize Hebrews 4.16 just to remind you that you can approach the throne of grace with confidence to find the help that you need. And, and that's, a, that's a great passage to memorize, to keep in your mind and get it in your heart so that as you go through the day and you're facing the challenges and the testing, you turn to him, trust him. Second step, I will pray every day this week for the help I need where I'm being tested. You, you may be facing a test right now in your family life, at work, in your ministry, with your finances, at school, wherever it is. I'm going to pray every day for the help I need. As you go to God, humble yourself before him, admit your need for help. He kicks it into gear and he brings help. He'll, he'll bring the help to fulfill his purpose, not yours. But he brings the help you need because he's going to take you down the path to blessing, not frustration. But you have to admit your need and surrender your own plans. So right now I surrender my plans to God and want him to help me fulfill his plan for my life. If uh, you want to take one of those steps, let us know in the connection card and drop it in the offering when it comes by. Let's pray and ask God for strength. Father, we, we thank you that right now we can, bow, we can bow our heads or we can just talk to you in our hearts. And we can come into your presence. Jesus, we can do that because of what you've done. You've given us direct access into the throne of grace. Thank you for what you've done. Help us, God, to have the strength to take the steps to do your purpose and your plan for our lives and to lay aside our own plan when we get frustrated. Help us to trust you, to go to you, to receive the grace and the mercy that we need and, and, and to help us to accomplish your, your will. We ask for your help in all this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.